This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate, where real people are doing real estate. Hey everybody, it's Doug Myers here for round two on the Let's Get Real Estate podcast where real people are doing real estate. And today we are talking about follow-up and closing. You're going to love it. Check it out. Hey everybody, it's Danielle Chason here with the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. This is where I bring to you real people doing real estate. And today is part two with Doug Myers talking about the sales process. And uh, we there's there's a whole bunch of different ways to do sales. There's a flow of doing sales, but it's such a big monster that uh, we weren't able to do it all in one. We didn't want to rush through, so we did part one and part two. So thank you for coming back for part two. And thank you to you, Doug, for coming back as well. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm uh, looking forward to, to rocking another round two here. Me too. Me too. I just want to go over real quick. Um, when we talked last week about um, the sales process, you had, it was a, a roadmap, an eight-step process, you know, talking about the right attitude, um, be interested in the customer, overcoming objections, fact-finding, all of that stuff. If you missed it, guys, if you're listening and you missed it, just go back a week um, and then you'll catch the first part of the sales process with Doug Myers. Um, Doug has been in real estate for nine years doing uh, real estate investing himself. He's also the host of another podcast called The Revenue Podcast. You can go check that out when, when you're done listening to this episode. And uh, now working for the Grant Cardone organization, right? How's that working out? Yeah, we're coming up on, gosh, man, time flies. They're com coming up on a little over five months now. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely been steep learning curves at different points. But to be honest, I mean, you know, when I got into this, I, I had a long-term goal that I wanted to be a business owner in, in 10 years. I wanted to really stretch it out, something very active, something very involved in making people better. And there were very few places where I could learn the skills that I needed to at the base of the pyramid in order to get to that point and feel comfortable, confident, going out, making investments, uh, not only in real estate, but in business too. And, you know, layer one, the foundation was sales. And so what better place to learn how to sell than at a place that sells sales training? You know, it's kind of like, if you're not good at sales, we can't sell the product because it's not like an iPhone. It's not like a car, you know, if you want it, you're coming in, whether I'm a good salesperson or not. With this product, you have to be a good salesperson because you are a product of the product. And if you can't <laughs> show it to people, you're kind of stuck. So that's what makes it really hard. Um, but that's what also makes it great because like, we train every day on the very thing that we, you know, share with our clients. And so as a result, you know, the, the time that it would otherwise take to learn this skill is really being ramped up. So I'm loving it so far. Things are great. It's challenging, uh, but we're definitely making some headway. So uh, yeah, it, it's a good time. Not going to lie. I'm a little bit envious because like there is no better place for you to become the best version of yourself when it comes to sales. Uh, ultimately, yeah, you're you're living, eating, breathing the sales product all day long because you are that product. I love how you how you put that out there. But so when you're when you're looking at the product or when you're looking at the product, when you're looking at sales, everybody, everybody really focuses on what we covered in the first part. And that's, you know, the, the process of the initial contact and engaging, getting the client interested in what you're selling. But 
I think what we had determined on the last call is where people fail because it's the follow-up and the closing that's really the part that's probably um, the most difficult and where you should be spending the most time, right? Yeah. So, you know, you make a great point. It's it's certainly the most, it could be considered the most difficult. Um, what's What I think is maybe the, the challenge is, you know, well, let's talk briefly about closing first. Okay. So when it comes to closing, it's, it's probably the most challenging for people because, and I'm, I'm people I'm included in this, right? It's challenging because there's a potential for this confrontation in some ways, this, this like, I'm about to ask, they could say, no, I'm going to feel rejected. Right. And so a lot of things come up in this moment because we've all experienced in our life different points where we went for something and we got rejected and we felt this pain and we internalized it. We made it a whole emotional experience when in reality, it's just like, hey, this probably has nothing to do with you. But the problem is people get so caught up in that that it really inhibits at times their ability to actually ask for business ask for someone to make an investment with them. Um, and it hurts confidence, right? So it kind of goes back to the whole thing that we talked about at the very top of the first uh, episode that we did, which was you got to be sold on you. Got to be sold on you, sold on your product, your company, your investment opportunity to have the confidence to actually ask for the business. Um, in terms of the amount of time you spend in the close, What's interesting about it is you, you actually spend very little time in the clothes relative to everything else, right? Like I got to find the person, I got to present to them, I got to understand what they need. I'm probably going to have to follow them up, which is something we'll talk about in a sec. And then when you get to the clothes, like the clothes can actually be very quick, but what the clothes represents is everything. Because until you close, you haven't actually serviced the investor. You haven't serviced the client. All you've done is given them a bunch of information. You spend a bunch of time with them, but you don't actually serve. You don't actually deliver something, a tangible result for us as investors, a ROI, a property purchase, cash flow. You don't deliver that until you close. So it can be a really narrow window of time, but if you don't do it, I mean, you haven't done anything. And that's the reality of it. When it comes to follow-up, Danielle, uh, and we'll talk about that first. Um, yeah, you can spend a lot of time in follow-up. And I don't mean like actually on the phone, physically talking to the person. I mean the time it takes from the moment you actually presented your investment opportunity to someone to the time that they're actually ready to invest. And you know, you could probably share some experiences as well as I could where the follow-up process has maybe been years, you know, somebody who you talked to, I don't know, at a networking event two years ago, you met up, you have some ongoing conversations. You don't really have a process for it. You just kind of kept in touch. And then two, three years down the road, boom, you've got an opportunity. You think, uh, you know, who, who should I talk to? Oh, that's right. I've been talking to John for the past two years. Well, why don't I see where he's at? Maybe he's ready to make an investment. And then boom, it happens. You've been following up this entire time. A lot of people are doing it just like randomly. But what I want to share today is like, hey, what if you actually had a process in place to follow up people effectively so that when the time comes, you're, you're not only moving that person further down the field, you're hopefully um, compressing the amount of time it takes so that it's not two, three years. Maybe it's two, three months. 
or two, three weeks. Okay. And there's a really specific way that we get there. Um, but in, in terms of like that follow-up time, keep this in mind, and this is a good stat to write down, 80% of all sales, and in our context, let's use sales as like investors or deals. 80% of your investors are going to come through on between the fifth and 12 contact you make with them. So what that means is if Danielle and I met today and we have a conversation and I pitch or I show her my investment opportunities, the chances of her giving me money to go do a deal on conversation number one is about 2%. And to be honest, you probably don't want to do that deal. <laughs> okay, let's just be straight. But every contact further and further down the road gets us to a higher and higher chance that she's actually going to move forward and do something. And most people will buy and or invest between five and 12 contacts, which means I've got to have a good strategy, a nice process to get me from one to two to three to four to five, all the way through 12, however long it's going to take over time without being a nuisance, without being a pest. I know I'm kind of rambling on. I'll, I'll pass it back to you, Daniel, in a sec here. But we've all probably made this call as investors, or maybe we've received it. Hey, John. Hey, Danielle. Uh, we met at the networking event. You remember me? Oh, yeah. What's up? Hey, yeah. So I got this project. Um, you know, I'm looking for investors on it. Um, are, are you ready to invest? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you send me some info? Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's in your inbox. I'll, I'll send it your way right now. Um, but yeah, you know, let me know. Uh, let me know what you think. So I've made my second contact, my third contact. But like, I mean, what have I done? I've really just like put some pressure on them. I haven't shared anything with them that makes them want to move forward other than the fact that maybe I've got a deal. So that's what today's call is about here. We'll, we'll kind of dive a little bit into that process and how it works and how you can do it effectively. So. My, my ramble is done. <laughs> no, no, I'm actually intentionally, and I, I want to speak to that real quick, but I'm intentionally being um, quiet and letting you, you're calling rambling on, I'm calling it sharing information because um, I think this is really valuable information and you're actually sharing like it's stuff that is, is where people struggle the most is the follow-up and the closing and you're giving great information to help them get better. So I don't want to interrupt you. So don't, I'm okay with you rambling. So don't even worry about that. Like I am intentionally being very quiet because I think you've got way more valuable things to say than I do. But I do have a couple of comments to kind of circle back to a couple of things. When you're talking about the follow-up, uh, actually I'm going to start with the closing because you, you kind of touched on the closing real quick. Um, you said you haven't served anyone until you close. And actually what popped into my head at that point was like, wow. Yeah. Like if you're going on and on and you're doing these touches and you know, you go through the sales process and you introduce your product and you talk to them and yeah, if you don't ever do the close, like what you'd said there made me realize you're just wasting people's time. If you don't actually do an offer, if you don't actually close and try to close. And so if you're blocking, you've just wasted your time. You've just wasted somebody else's time and you know, you've gotten nowhere. Um, and you can't serve people when you have a great product 
that'll serve you and others. It's really easy to sell. I think it's really easy to offer. So, um, but anyway, yeah, you're wasting people's time if you don't go all the way to the end. Um, it's almost like, um, it's almost like playing a sports game without never trying to take a shot on net. Right. So if you're like, I'm Canadian, you're Canadian. Yeah. So we're, we're Canadian. So let's talk about hockey. Like if you're playing a hockey game, but you never take a shot on the net, well, what's the point of the game then? Right. So totally, um, totally. I mean, the best, I think one of the best ways to uh, uh, connect this uh, that everybody will connect with is uh, dating. You know, you, you, you go on a first date with somebody, right. And, and you meet them. I'm just going to give the guy's perspective. Okay. Cause, cause I'm a guy, right. <laughs> you, you go on a first date with someone, you, you meet the girl, you know, you, you do whatever you go for coffee, you go for a walk, you go for a movie, whatever you go play basketball, right. It's going good. And you're, you're doing all the right things in the date, right? You, you brought good energy. You're sharing about yourself. You're, you're getting past surface level conversation. At some point you bridge the physical gap, right? Like this is how it works. You know, maybe you start holding hands or you put like a reassuring hand on the small of her back to like create this. Okay. You know, I'm a man, I'm comfortable around you. I'm comfortable with me. You know, this is, this is me. This is who I am. And along the way, you're getting to know each other. And then you get to the end of the night. And if the date's going good, what's the close? And I'm not saying it's, you know, all the way, but the close, the first close is a kiss. If you do not kiss the girl at the end of the date and it's gone really well, Danielle, you're a girl. How do you feel when that happens? Confused. Is it great? You're like, what the hell? Yeah. It's it's a great date. He's a great product. She's a great product. Why didn't he close? Yeah. Why didn't he kiss? Yeah. You know? And so just it's, <laughs> it goes on the guy again, because I think as, as the guy in that situation, this is your responsibility to do. But going back to the real estate, right? Like if you are the working partner, someone with a deal, it is your responsibility to ask for the business, to ask for the close. Right. And if you've done everything right leading up to that, you have a great product, you're sold on you. They're, uh, they've got the wherewithal to invest. We'll talk about that in a little bit. They've got confidence in the product. You owe it to them to close the deal. So like, I, think about that. I totally agree. Completely agree with that. Um, especially if you're the one leading the way, right? So like, you're the one leading the way in the sales process. You're the one introducing. They need to be led. And so you do need to lead the people to especially, and again, it comes back to the product and believing in the product. If you know it's going to serve them, then it's easy to say, Hey, look, you need to do this. So just make sure you have a product that's sellable. If you're doing it for you, I think it makes it even that much harder to overcome, to do that close because you're actually doing it for yourself. But when you're doing it for the person you're selling to, because you're going to benefit them, then it becomes very easy. And I think it really, the whole sales thing kind of it's just, kind of melts away it washes away like it's not an issue anymore right so it overcomes that mental block yeah um and then what i wanted to talk about was when you talk about the follow-up wow and this is a big one because like i got like so much notes on the follow-up as you were talking i was writing things down but here's what i heard be intentional with your follow-up so if you're intentional with your follow-up then you can be efficient about the messaging, about delivering the information, about keeping interest, about managing time, not just your time, but also the time of the person you're following up with, right? And um, really, it's about keeping that interest during the process of the follow-up. And then you briefly touched on this. I want to kind of come back to this. It's like you talked about 
um, you know, when you follow up with people, maybe they're not ready and you internalize that and you think it's something you did, you did wrong. You didn't, you know, get the messaging out. And I think that's what people, people shut down. They feel rejected. And I think, how would you, how would you, what would you say to people like, do you compartmentalize that? Like, how do you take that emotion out? How do you take being the person who's offering and then getting quote unquote rejected, which I don't think it's a rejection, by the way. And especially when you're expecting it, if you go in with expectations, like, Hey, I'm going to get five, eight, 10 no's before I get a yes. Then I think, you know, you go, Oh, there's my, there's my second, there's my third, there's my fourth. That's okay. Oh, I'm getting closer. And then, and I think too, you could feel them out along the way if they're really not interested. Um, but how do you, how do you take that rejection of a no, because it's, it's very negative and how do you not take that personal? How do you compartmentalize that or take the emotion out? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of, I feel like a lot of people are maybe going to want me to say, um, well, you just build this wall and you like build the skill of not feeling rejected. Um, I wish that was the case, but it, it's not. It's not. The, the only way to deal with this is to have a full pipeline. That's actually the cure to feeling rejected. Because if I've got 10 other people who are willing to do the deal, okay? Am I worried if one person falls off and says no? Am I worried if nine people fall off and say no? Yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit, right? But that's the purpose of having so many different conversations. That's the purpose of following up with so many different people at the same time. Because if one drops off, hey, I'm not worried about it. I got another one coming. That's really the, that to me, that's the only way to, to cure it. Because if you're only having one conversation with one qualified investor at a time, and then you bring like a deal, you, you've got the deal under contract, right? And and this is this is where people get in trouble, right? This is a risky play for, especially for new people. You, you got a deal under contract, you've been working this one guy, this one girl, and you're like, great, John, I, I just, I put this property under contract, it's ready to go. I know we've been talking for a while. You said you were looking for this, I've got this here's what we need from you or, or whatever that conversation looks like. Again, it'd be a little bit more elegant, but you finally bring that deal through and, and John starts getting cold feet, right? And you can feel it. Something's not quite right. And, and John says, you know what? I'm just not ready to move forward right now. Now you feel rejection because you've got the deal. You got under contract, you got responsibilities to, to handle. And now John just said, no. And, the one person you had over here in the pipeline to go do a deal is now out. So like you had all this attention, you had so much rioting on this one person, they dropped out and now you feel the emotional pain of rejection, okay? So the only way to cure that is to have a lot of people who are you, you're communicating with who can potentially invest with you. So probably not the answer that maybe a lot of people wanna hear, um, but it's it's really the truth right like you know if you had 10 different options and one fell out are you going to feel that bad about it no you're going to have expected it and you're going to be prepared to handle it that is great and, and i never actually thought of that i i have a different view of looking at it, how i handle it but uh i never actually thought about like just having a really bloated funnel having multiple people to go to to kind of offset 
um, offset those rejections. And you know what, I'll tell you, um, a personal experience, like, you know, when you get one, yes, that can crush 10 no's because just the high that you get, the adrenaline rush, the excitement, the sense of accomplishment, all of that um, can really overcome a whole bunch of those rejections or no's. I really don't, I got to come up with a new word for that because I don't like rejection or no's. Um, But go ahead. I think, I mean, you know, they are, right? I don't think we should, you know, shy away from the word. Let's, let's just confront what the word exactly is. Somebody says, all right, yeah, I'm not doing this. Okay. That's, that's them not doing it. It's not me not doing it. Right. So, I mean, if you did want to provide an answer of how do I avoid, you know, the feeling of rejection, you, you got to understand then at that point that, Hey, this, this, in most cases, in almost all cases, it's not about you. There are a number of reasons why people don't do things, right? Like, again, I'm not here to plug our training program, but inside the training program, we've literally got, there's 17 reasons why people don't buy. 17 reasons why people don't invest, okay? Well, reason one, timing's not right. Reason two, got to talk to someone else, right? Reason three, uh, other pressing matters. Four, personal issues. Five, had a significant loss. You know, there's like so many different reasons why people don't do something. And a lot of the times they're not going to tell you the real answer. They're going to hide it behind. Uh, yeah, we're going to wait or yeah, we need some more time to think about it. They're not going to come out and say, Hey, by the way, my mother-in-law is dealing with cancer right now. And you know, it's, it's putting a lot of stress on the family. They're, they're probably going to say, yes, the timing's just not right right now. Yeah. It has nothing to do with you. A lot of times, I don't know that they can tell you, even if they wanted to, because would it be fair to say that sometimes they don't even know, they just don't feel ready, but they can't articulate even why. They just know it's not the right time for them. Absolutely. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Danielle, if I, if I may, unless you got like a question lined up there, I'd, I'd love to to just share my kind of a philosophy on follow-up here, if that's cool with you. You're, you're giving yes, me the yes, thumbs yes. up? Yes, Thumbs up. Okay, Let's cool. go. Yep. So. So the process for follow-up, everybody, this is this is going to be really important that you got to take away and start implementing. You can do this today and see immediate results. What you want to write down is an acronym. It's called VAFU, V-A-F-U, VAFU. And what this stands for is value-added follow-up. And we may have touched on this briefly in that first episode, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper now. The value add is key. Okay. If you do not provide value up front, I just want you to take your hand. If you wrote down VAFU, take your hand and cover up the V and the A and just read to yourself what it says. If you're doing the exercise right now, you should be giving yourself an FU. And if everyone's, if everyone's ever been told FU, this is kind of what it's, what it feels like when you follow up without providing value first. So back to the first, the back to the example call I gave Danielle. Hey, Danielle, uh, remember me, Doug, from the uh, networking event? Oh yeah, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. Hey, um, by the way, are you ready to invest? Boom, <laughs> follow up, <laughs> no value, right? Or, you know, you've probably got this call from from the car dealer. Hey, you know, it's John. I saw you were checking out the, the vehicle the other day. Uh, I know you had some time to think about it. Did you think about it? Hey, John, F you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. 
there's a my my colleague Ryan. He always jokes about it. He'll run these meetings on follow up, um, and he always uses the line from uh, it's Goodfellas, I think. Joe Pesci. He's like, "F you, pay me." You've heard they heard this line, right? So that's kind of what you're doing. You know, you're just like, "What's in it for me with this?" So the value added part part of it is what bridges the gap and allows the follow up to take place naturally. In fact, a lot of times, and I've seen this happen, it's like weird the first time it happened because uh, I just didn't believe it. When you provide value first, they bring up the deal. Okay, so I'm gonna repeat that. You, you provide value first, they bring up the deal. So how does this call work, okay? So there are a number of ways you can provide value, but let's use, um, let's use a podcast as an example. Great way to follow up. Okay. I do podcasts a fair amount. Um, so let's say, uh, you know, again, I'm communicating with Danielle. Say, hey, Danielle, Doug here. Um, you know, we met at the networking event a week ago. How's it going? It's going. Perfect. Perfect. Glad to see you're doing so well. Hey, listen, I just wanted to let you know, I just appeared on this podcast. It's called the Let's Get Real Estate Podcast. I was talking about follow-up and closing. I know you're in sales um, in your in your job yourself. So uh, we talked about a whole ton of different things that I think would be really valuable for someone like yourself. Um, I just texted you the link. Did you see it come through? It sure did. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. And so at this point, I've given her something, right? I've I've given her something of value. Hey, there's a podcast that you can listen to to improve your sales skills. And you know, she may take it, she might not, whatever. But I provided the value first, so. Depending on our relationship, Danielle may bring up the deal, right? She didn't because we're kind of in this role play right now. But at this point, the door is now open for me to ask some questions about where we're at, okay? And she's like, yeah, the text came cooler. I said, okay, great. Hey, by the way, I know we chatted a week ago at that networking event about potentially doing some things together in real estate. I was wondering, do you have five minutes later this week where I could run you through some of our new deals? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. I'm just in front of my calendar right now. What uh, what date and time works best for you? Oh, hang on. Let me open up my phone. Let me pull up my calendar. Yeah. Right. And, so uh, so yeah. now we're now we're into it. Okay. And so, but without without the without the value first, if I just come in straight, hey Danielle, do you got some time uh, later this week to run through some deals? Oh my I've God, just like this week is so swamped. I don't. I just don't even know. I've, Maybe next week. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Next week. Yeah. That's perfect. I could push for it then, but still, you know, I haven't given her value. Can I tell you how I felt right there in that moment? I just want to time out here. Just, just Go for it. like when you said, Hey, Danielle, uh, I'd love to talk to you about a deal, a sweet deal I got on my plate. Can you, you got five minutes? Like right away, I felt heavy. I felt like you were taking, I felt like energy being like taken away from me, like by you, I felt, um, yeah, it, it was, that, that was interesting. So it, just in that whole role playing, and I know we're role playing, don't get me wrong. Like I understand we're role playing, but the emotions still showed up with the whole, oh my God, somebody else wants a piece of me. That's really what I felt right there. It's like, you know, and, and in today's life for a lot of us, I mean, we're just, 
sliced so many different ways and getting pulled in so many different directions. Then all of a sudden this guy's showing up and yeah, I, I kind of, I want to invest, but at the same time, I got my boss calling me for this and I got my kids needing me for that. And I got my husband wanting this, you know? And so it's like, I'm getting pulled in so many different directions. And then Doug's like, Oh, and then you want time too? Like I'm so strapped for time to begin with. And what about Danielle? Like, I'd like to have five minutes for myself. Right. And so like totally. by you just coming in there that I, I just had a slew of emotions. That was pretty incredible. Um, actually. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. It's not amazing, but it's amazing that you felt that even in a, uh, you know, a, a role play scenario, like this mm-hmm. isn't, this isn't real right now. You know, Daniel and I are not actually actively looking to do deals together. We should right? though. But the fact but we should, yeah, 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 we should. <laughs> nice. see Danielle's following me up right now. Right. She's, she's like, I'm going to bring you on the podcast. Now we're going to talk about deals later. See, she gets it. She gets it. Right. But like, you know, the, the fact that you shared that people who are listening, like you, you got to understand this is what's going through other people's minds when you do these things and you do them incorrectly. Right. So putting, putting that value in front is going to help you bridge the gap. Okay. And a lot of times, like I did say earlier, right. I'll bring up some value. Okay. And they'll bring up the deal or they'll bring up the opportunity. This happened with, uh, I, I won't use his name just out of privacy, but again, Let's call him John. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this happened with a friend of mine named John. The follow-up for John, no joke, guys. The follow-up for John from the time we met to the time he did a first deal with me, okay, was about two years. And I would say on average, just given that I wasn't pushing super hard to like move things along, that's what most of my investors who are currently working with me have have taken. They take a while. Okay, because there's a lot of things that people kind of have to get over unless you're just dealing with people who already invest. Right. Which is easier. But anyways, you know, I would I I would go out and and I would share things with him. And I wasn't doing it at the level that I would today. But like, for example, I would be walking through a property in Prince George and I would do a video or I would take a bunch of photos and I would send it to John and be like, hey. I'm just actually looking at another property right now. I just wanted to show you, like, here's some of the ways I would move through a property and look at something. And I just sent him the video, not knowing that this was actually doing value-added follow-up. And I, and I remember he, he's got the video. He texts me back. He's like, really cool, man. Hey, by the way, when you're back in town, can we sit down and talk about the projects that you were doing? I had some more questions. Oh, interesting. What, what if I had just said to John, hey, hey John, um, next time I'm in town, would you uh, be interested in, in linking up for another conversation versus because that's ultimately the next step versus me sending him a video of me literally walking through a property and like, Hey, this is how I do this. And then he goes, Oh, super cool. Hey, when can we get together next? You'll, you'll find that this happens. If it doesn't, you still have the door open to ask like, Hey, where are we at? Because you provided value first. Okay. So, I'm going to run through a a list of ways that you can provide value in a follow-up. Okay, so you know, get a pen handy if you're if you're uh, taking notes here, but you can also just rewind if you you get stuck. Um, but there are so many different ways for us as investors to follow up creatively and provide value. Okay, so let's let's run through the mechanics. Obviously, you can do a phone call. You can do texts. You can do emails. You can do a video on an email. You can do a video text. One of the things that we do constantly in our office, if you ever hear 
during the sales time is, um, you know, we do selfie videos. Okay. So get, get over selfies. Let's, uh, let's use them for actually making some money and making some investors. People <laughs> love it. People love it. You just, you literally open up your phone. I don't know if people are on video. You, you just open up your phone and you go, you know, you're here and it's like, uh, uh I'm literally going to do one right now. Hey, hey, Chris, it's Doug here. Uh, things are going well on the project right now. I just want to let you know, I'm actually on a uh, sales podcast with uh, my friend, Danielle. Uh, we are literally recording this live right now. I was just thinking about you today. Make a great day and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye for now. 15 seconds. Okay. I'm going to send that off to, to Chris. He's a guy who I'm actively working with and could potentially do some more deals. I'm just going to, I provided him value. He's going to be like, what the hell? Why are you wearing a headset? <laughs> you know? and i'm gonna send That's that what to we're him. all wondering okay here's a question for you with that with doing that so coming back to being intentional and shortening the follow-up process so it's not two years so doing this would this be considered a touch i think Absolutely. there's a con yeah i think there's a, a misconception out there that people think that the follow-up has to be this long drawn out process where oh let's connect let's have a meeting let's sit down like and let me re you know re, re show you what we've done we've tweaked the numbers and and oh let you know we're, we're about to do this and so like i i don't know that it has to be this whole you know, hour meeting or, you know, sit down for a coffee every, it's not 12 coffees that you're dealing with. It could mm -hmm. just be a video text, right? And to be, yeah, absolutely. And if you did 12 coffees, you'd probably be pretty sick of each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just being straight with you. You got, you got to understand here, the, the V is adding, you know, value added. I was just thinking about this right now because we talk about this as too is your V could also stand for variety, okay? And that's the second element of this. If I just keep hitting, you know, Chris with video texts, if I just keep hitting him every time, ah, video, 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 but Chris doesn't actually like, like videos, I'm not communicating with him as effectively as I could be, okay? So why I shared all the different points with you is you gotta understand, you need to be hitting people from different angles to provide variety, provide multiple ways of following up, and provide multiple value points. Okay, so again, you've got you've got phone calls, you got texts, you got emails, you got video emails, you got the selfie video which I just showed you. Um, you've got event offers. This is a great one. Okay, so you're about to attend a networking event. Uh, you want someone to get some more information on something. Hey, uh, John, I'm actually going to be heading down to the uh, Let's Get Real Estate meetup. It's happening this Friday, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern. Going to be a bunch of great real estate investors there. My friend Danielle is running it. I thought, hey, maybe I'd extend an invite to you. Are you available to join us? And, you know, they could say yes. They could say no. Either way, you've offered them an event to learn more about real estate and what it is you do. So event offers. Um, podcasts, right? You know, this podcast will, will air. Um, I can send that out to my network. I can send that out to anybody who wants to know a little bit more about what I'm doing here. Okay, so this is another good point. Um, speaking engagements, um, deal updates, newsletters, blog posts. Um, you know, you yeah, like I said, you appear as a guest. You host a show. Uh, gosh, there's so many. Like, a as an investor, your, your best ones 
probably from like a media standpoint are, you know, video of you literally in a property if you're a working partner, right? Take, take the selfie video or, or just take a video. Hey, I'm actually out here at one of my rentals. Hey, I am out here at this property we're looking to purchase. Here are some of the things that I go through. They can literally watch you doing what you do. That is great follow-up. Okay. okay. And yeah, sorry. And I, I just, one more point, cause you yeah, made a point ahead. on the touches, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you just do coffees all the time and long phone calls, it, that's not what we're talking about here, right? What we're talking about is just, hey, I'm in front of you. You know who I am. You see what I'm doing. It can be as quick as a 10 second video, as long as an hour long coffee or, you know, as short as a simple text. Hey, I was just thinking about you. Check out this deal I'm doing or check out the latest property we purchased. Quick photo. Hope you're well. That's a touch too and follow up. Okay. So um, you touched a nerve there. <laughs> okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make myself a little bit vulnerable. So Go for it. Uh, you said the best thing that, you know, the easiest thing that you can do and probably one of the best ways of doing is videos. And um, for, for my audience who've been following me for some time know that I used to do a lot of videos. And uh, when COVID hit, I really dropped off of social media with videos. And that was a great way that I used. And I can say it works. It's absolutely fabulous. So for those of you who are thinking about getting into real estate investing and you want to build your network and grow your network, um, videos on social media, absolutely all day long. I'm down for that. And um, <clears throat> I've been getting a lot of flack because I've been really MIA. <laughs> so here I am watching the podcast. I'm not doing videos. I'm not streamyarding anything. Um, and uh, you're calling me out. And I love that. Um, and so I'm going to make a promise to my audience. I'm just going to say, um, I will be coming out again and I will be connecting with everybody via my social media platforms. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you for that because, um, not just my audience, but my partners have been like, Danielle, like what the heck is going on? Like you need to get out there again and be you. And so, uh, and I've been kind of holding back cause I've been doing some other stuff, but, uh, I just, yeah, that touched the nerve a little bit. And um, you know what? I just want to say, like, it, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? At the end of the day, like, I've been away from, from it for so long. I want to go back and, and it's like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. And sometimes you just need to get out of your own way and just get it done, right? Um, and I think a lot of people don't do the videos and they don't do maybe a newsletter because they think, oh, it's not going to sound good. It's not going to this. It's not going to that. That's not what's important. What's important is getting it out. Would you agree? 100%. And in fact, if it's... You know, when we do the videos in our office, we have, we have a policy. You cannot retake the video and you cannot watch the video. Oh, wow. Because if you watch the video, you're you're like, and don't get me wrong. If you really screw up, like, <laughs> okay, restart. <laughs> but like, it is policy for the sake of, we don't want you wasting time watching to see like, hey, did I have the perfect move? Did I make sure my eyes didn't hit the camera? Like, it's dumb people want to see that you're human. You know, if you make a mistake on the video, like I've probably made tens of mistakes already, you know, on, on just doing this podcast, but like the video I did there, I, I messed up some of my words. I'm not going to like redo it. You know, I'm just going to send it because people want to see, Hey, you're natural. You're, you're normal. That that's more important. Okay. So yeah, absolutely. Just get it done, put it out. Stop worrying about 
you know, what you think other people are going to think. The reality is most of the time they're not even going to care. And the reality is they're probably not going to see it. So just do it. And so the last question that I have about follow-up is because I think like we're just crushing misconceptions on follow-up right now. And I love it. I absolutely love it. So uh, it doesn't have to be a meeting. It doesn't have to be an explanation about the deal. Does it have to be related to the deal or the offering or the product or the service? Like, does it have to be, cause you had said, you're going to send me a link on the, like, you know, in that, in that one example where we role played, you sent Danielle a link to a podcast that you said, Oh, I think it would be a value to you. So like, does that value offering or does the follow-up have to be related to the product or the service that you're selling? Great question. Really great question. The answer is no. And this, yes, a lot of people are probably like, what? It's gotta be related. (laughs) No, in fact, it doesn't. Right. We're, we're trying to, we're trying to build relationships here. Yes, we want to do a deal, but we're trying to build a relationship, but we don't have the relationship. The deal's not happening. So, well, how do you build a relationship with anybody? You get to know what's important to them and you start to build common ground in those areas. So, you know, if I know that Danielle really, you know, she has a sales job. Yes, I'm on a real estate podcast, but we're talking about sales. That's value to her. If Danielle is a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, okay, and I know that the Leafs are playing well right now and, you know, they've got a game coming up or whatever, Austin Matthews, like, broke, you know, some goal record or whatever, I I can follow up with her on that, you know? Yes, we're talking about real estate, but I could be like, hey, Danielle, I just saw the Leafs got into the playoffs. You must be like really excited about that. And I send her like a meme of, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs fans crying for the past 20 years or whatever it'd been, you know, she's like, oh, (laughs) ha ha. Yeah, I'm excited for the playoffs. That's a touch. That's a follow-up, you know? So no, it doesn't have to be related to it. That being said, your your follow-up, like you know, if I sent, again, let's use the example, right? I send you a meme about uh, the Maple Leafs making the playoffs. You go, haha, yeah, that's great. Um, the follow-up portion of that can can and should be related to what we're talking about with the deal, right? Because I don't, I don't just want to, you know, keep going down the Maple Leafs train. Like the Maple Leafs are not going to actually end up having us do a deal, right? It's it's just the us building a relationship there so that we can continue to talk about the business that we're looking to do. Right. So that's an important distinction to make, though. So that opens the door to kind of guide the way into that conversation. And I will tell you from my personal experience, you do open the door for the conversation. A lot of times they'll be like, hey, what are you working on? Hey, how's that deal going? And it just exactly. opens, up, opens up the door for that conversation for sure. Totally. And Value it doesn't, first, they bring up the deal. Absolutely. And I don't think like I... I I'll tell you what I do. Like if I don't feel the moment coming on to talk about that deal, I let it go and I'll catch it at the next one. Right. Like you don't have to try to force that conversation too. Right. So if Danielle's busy, doesn't buy and say, yeah, woohoo, I'm happy for the thing, you know? Um, and then the, the conversation dies. Um, don't just come out of the blue, I would say, and say, yeah, so did you consider my deal? Because then I think there's a disconnect there, right? It should, it it should be natural. No, totally. Totally, totally. You you hit the nail on the head. Um, you you don't have to you don't have to bring it up every time. This goes back to the whole variety of things, right? If if you're always providing value and then always asking, 
that's going to start to feel a certain way. If you're always sending emails, that's going to start to feel a way. If you're always doing video text, that's going to feel a certain way, right? So you've got to mix it up. That's why having multiple different follow-up strategies is so important because you can do this one. They say, oh yeah, great. That one worked. That It didn't work. Now you get on a call. You can reference a couple different things and now you can move into a follow-up conversation. So yeah, not every touch point is going to be driving the ball down the field. In fact, you should have multiple touch points where you're not actually driving the ball down the field. You're just making sure that they know you're still there, you're still working, you're still doing things, and you're still thinking about them. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I also love that, uh, the the analogy driving the ball down the field. So if you think about football, you know, not every time it's going to be a touchdown. Sometimes you're just exactly that. Those touch points are just moving five yards, 10 yards, maybe 12 yards. And then you're just getting closer to the goal line. So then when you do the close, it's a lot quicker and easier. And you mentioned that. And in the interest of time, I want in like three minutes or less, because you said the close is quick. What is, what does the audience need to know about doing a quick and efficient close? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just looking at the time. I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> we did it again. We um, totally so, yeah. got carried away. But this is, is just such Fit- a monster and so valuable. Anyway, so go well, ahead. Yeah. Fit- fitting to, uh, you know, spending the least amount of time in the clothes as possible, right? Um, I want I want everybody to write down this one line, okay? I think we probably brought it up on the first one, but, but write this down is have you seen enough to make a decision? I'm pretty sure we, uh, pretty sure we said on the first one, but it's worth noting again. Okay. This is the, this is your line to use your word track to gauge where the buyer is at, gauge where the investor is at. Okay. And at this point you can move into the close. All right. Or you're going to know that, Hey, we're on the wrong product. We're on the wrong investment. We need to do some more fact finding. Okay. But this question, have you seen enough to make a decision is going to move you into that conversation around either. Yes. In which case, great. Let me send you the letter of intent. Great. Let me send you the JV. Great. Let me send you the loan agreement, whatever it is. Okay. That is a close. If they say yes, great. Let's do this. Okay. Every single time in a close, you want to ask for the business. So there are a number of different lines you could use. Okay. But you always want to be asking for it, right? If I say, have you seen enough to make a decision? You say, yes. I go, great. Let's do this. I'm going to send you this and now I'm moving into the next step. Okay. But you've got, you've got to ask every time and you've got to have an affirmative statement. You know, Grant talks about this. His thing is always, let's do this. Let's roll. Let's go for it. Okay. It's exciting. It's like, let's, let's do this, you know, be excited about it. Smile on your face. Okay. Let's go make this happen. You you can find whatever your tagline is going to be, but you gotta, you gotta roll for it. I think that's what it, I think that's what I did to you on part one of uh, these two. I'm like, let's do this. Let's do part two. Let's, you know, like, and I yeah. think- <laughs> and here we are, right? She calls me here on it. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I didn't so give you much options. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, no. But that's that, that's what we get into, right? And so we're, we probably don't really have a whole ton of time to get into handling different objections here. But what I will say is, you know, when it comes to this question and they say no. Um, at that point, you want to have some follow-up trial close questions, okay? Because you're going to want to have an understanding, okay, well, where are they at and what do we need to do? Okay, so I got to identify what's holding them back. So you could ask a question like, okay, no problem. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being 
yeah, I really want to do move the, move forward. I'm ready to invest. And one being not a chance in hell. Where are you in relation to what we've just talked about? Whatever they answer, right? Seven, four, nine, whatever they answer, your follow-up question after that is, great, what would make it a 10? When you ask that great. question, that opens the door for them to tell you exactly what they need to see in order for you to actually close them and do the business, okay? So, so the key, that's a, go for it. The, the key here, the key here, I think, is what you're doing, I think in the industry, in the, the sales industry, you call it a soft close, right? You're just kind of filling them out. A trial close, trial close. We could call so it trial close, soft close. Yep. So you're just trying them out. And then when they, when they give you a no, they're not yet ready. It's not a hard no because you actually haven't said, do you want this? Yes or no. And then that would be a hard no. So then you're able to fish for more information to be able to keep going to, again, do another touch point to get them further down, uh, get the ball further down closer to the end goal, right? Exactly. And, you know, think back to the, this, this question, right? Like, have you seen enough to make a decision? If they say no, that doesn't mean, no, I don't want to invest. That means, no, I haven't seen enough. So you asking uh, on a scale of one to 10, where are you at right now? Or, you know, yeah, on a scale of one to 10, you know, what are you liking so far about what you've seen? And they say, okay, well, I'm at a four, I'm at a seven. And then they, great, what, what would make it a 10? You know, they're giving you the exact information that they want to see in order to get there. That could be more information on the deal. It could be more information on your track record. It could be more information on what you've done in the past, what your partners say about you. Okay. They, they're just needing more information or they're on the wrong product. All right. So maybe the deal is not the right thing for them. Okay. So that's a great question to ask. Other questions you can ask to help kind of trial. And I know we're coming up on our time here. Um, you know, what do you like most about what I've shared with you? Okay. That'll get you an understanding of, okay, well, what are, what are they actually like gravitating towards? If they said they wanted cash flow, but they're actually really interested in this pre-construction condo in Toronto that doesn't cash flow, okay, they said something, they actually mean this. Maybe I'm on the wrong product. Okay, so you're going to find out a lot when you start asking those questions. Again, I'm going to share just a couple more and then we'll probably wrap up here. Um, these are hard questions is what they're called. And they help you gather more information about what you need to actually close them. So here's a couple. You can you can rerun them. Um, why did you take the call with me? Great question. Why are you here? How about this one? How much are you guys missing out on if you don't do this? Hard question. Hard question. You've got to be confident when you ask these. You're not trying to be antagonistic, but also expect that that question will land in a certain way. So you got to be able to handle it and be like, okay, I'm trying, just trying to get information. Why take a look at this right now? Why is this important to you? Another good question. Here's a great one. When was the last time you invested in something like this? If you ask this question and find out that you know they've never invested in real estate, okay, you know where you're at and you know why they're not investing. They've literally never put a hundred grand in a deal before. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's a lot, right? Why are you considering at this time? Why today? Why not last month? Let's say they said no and they weren't going to invest. They literally said, hey, you know what? I'm not going to do this. Okay, sir, no problem. If you were going to change your mind, why would you change it? Ooh, I like that. Another good question. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
all of these questions are helping you understand what's the real objection in the close. And we'll wrap up there. There's going to be four things that people are not sold on. Okay. It's either price, time, wherewithal, wherewithal being they don't actually have the money. Or the fourth one, and the most common reason why people don't invest is they don't believe in the product. Mm. And product, in our sense, is actually a few things it's you and it's the investment. So if you're getting stalled there, something is holding them up about what you're doing or what your investment is. And you have to solve that question. I know, unfortunately, we are a little bit out of time, so we're probably not going to dive into that. <laughs> but that's a good place to leave it is because that, that gives you a really high level sense like, hey, if I'm stuck on the product and it's me or my investment, something's gone out. And all that means is I need to go back and gathering more information about why this person is here and why real estate investing makes the most sense for them. And I got to reconvince them, resell them. I'm the person to do it with. And this is the opportunity to do it for. Yeah. And then you just, you get the information that you need in order to pivot, to keep going and, uh, and lead them down there. And again, coming back to, if you believe that your product will help the person that you're selling it to, I think it makes it way easier because now you can say, this is going to help you and enhance your life and make your life better because of this or that. Um, and I think that's really, uh, really key. Um, you know, don't sell ice to Eskimos. They don't need it. It's very hard to sell. Um, you know, it totally. doesn't make sense. Yep. You know what, Doug? Um, like, yeah, we, this one, we've gone really long and I want to apologize to the audience because we typically try to keep it 30, 40 minutes. Uh, but there's so much great information there. And I think this is uh, a place where a lot of people struggle um, is selling themselves. And in the real estate industry, a lot of times you are selling yourself more than you are the deal because people buy into you, not so much your product. And so um, I really, really, really appreciate your time. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, dropping bombs um, to the audience. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. Um, that way you won't miss out on any upcoming episodes where you can take away some great nuggets to help you on your real estate journey. Also, don't forget to rate it. That will help us. I truly, truly, truly thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support and your dedication. So don't forget to rate. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can always comment or share. Um, commenting, let me know what you're liking, what you're not liking, what you'd like to see more of, some topics. Love to hear some feedback from you guys. And um, yeah, and with that, we're going to sign off. This is Danielle Chason, Let's Get Real Estate Podcast. This is where real people are doing real estate. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast and congratulations on improving your education real estate. Please leave a review only if you felt we provided value as it would really help us if you would leave a five-star review so that we can help reach a broader audience. And don't forget to comment what you enjoyed and tell us what you are looking to learn more about. As always, thanks for your support and we'll see you on the next episode.